The Voyage of the August, presented by the Electric Light Collective, being an account of the good ship August and her voyage from the docks at Boston to what fate befell her at sea. Episode 9, Council. Captain's cabin, the August. We're coming in close to San Miguel, Captain. We'll get her anchored in half an hour or so. Thank you, Ambrose. The boys and Sophia greatly fancy going ashore. As do I. This will be a fine place to find our new heading. Report back to me once you have her anchored. Yes, sir. The sound of waves and shouts rushes in as the August makes her way into the bay. Birds and wind through trees can be heard as she draws closer to the island. Different birds, different trees. Even different waves are here in this tropical paradise, this far from Boston. The sight makes an impression only on Sophia and Sylvia and the other passengers. Most of the sailors are jaded to such beauty, familiar as they are with places like it from their travels. The wind dies down and a symphony of jungle insects replaces it. The night birds and sound of fires crackling on the beach can be heard, as well as laughter, shouts. Teague starts singing and the rest of the sailors join. There is no man in this wide world as happy as me. Here's a health to the company and one to my last. Let us drink and be merry all out of one glass. Let us drink and be merry all out of one A small fire near the edge of the August makeshift beef side cup. He stares into the fire, contemplative. Teague walks up and sits down on a piece of driftwood next to Maddox. Hey there, Captain. Will gathering again. Crew would be mighty pleased if you'd join us for a song. Oh, don't call me Captain here. Yeah. If you say so, Maddox, like old times. Old indeed. I feel like I've lived a thousand years, Ambrose. But I've only seen 26 summers. Almost 27 now. Oh, it's almost your birthday then, Maddox. There's absolutely no excuse to be melancholy. Try and stop me, you devilish man. Very well, I won't stop you. But I will sit a while here with you and drink with you and share in your contemplation if you'll let me. You're sounding more like Cecil every day, my friend. Aye. Well, it's hard not to. He's a fine, uncommon sort of man, to be sure. An uncommon start, you say? Cecil walks up, holding a bottle of rum. Well, you know him. Speak of the devil. Me? The devil? You give me far too much credit, Teague. I can only aspire to be half as conniving or clever. Might I join you? Aye. Well, to my eyes, you've twice the charm to make up for it. Oi, Cecil. Maddox! My man! You've been in your cups, I see. We're free men now, Maddox, and I feel the warmth of it in my chest. I've just been deep in discourse with Lynn. He's a man with some funny ideas about death in his head. It was most enlightening. I told you they'd get along, Ambrose. Aye, of course they do. Heads full of dreams and silver tongues, the both of them. Cecil, I just realized. We never thought up any sort of punishment for your killing of Smith. <laughs> well now, Captain, do you intend to punish me? Cecil, come now. Calm yourself, T. I'm not about to try and hang you from the yardarm. Do you feel any remorse for killing him? To speak plainly, Maddox, I felt remorse for precious few things in this life. Killing that cowardly worm was not one of them. I've always appreciated your arcando, Cecil. Though, I ask that you refrain from murdering any more of the crew. 
sailors are fractious enough as is. Happy to be of service. I've got to rescue this tune from being butchered. It is a sad thing to hear a song without a helmsman. Don't get too morose now, boys! Don't get too drunk now, Empress. We have to share a tent later. Tell Leon to come join us, would you, T? Aye, aye. Mrs. Montague left easier than I thought she might. She gave me a wicked scold in the day past. She's not the kind of woman who would take to the August so easily, I think. I thought for sure she might stay and try to protect Sophia. Despite her unmotherly nature, I believe she might care for her daughter more than she lets on. She's had a hard life. Different than ours, to be sure. What do you mean, a hard life? Protected by rich old Montague in a townhouse in Boston, with a fine daughter and servants, never lifted a finger to work. Which are all fine accommodations, if you haven't got the sense that God gave a fly. But Sylvia, she's got a sharper wit than all of us, and suffers all the more for it. Imagine the boredom to be married to an idiot and confined to the frivolous, empty pastimes that rich women are expected to be entertained with and only laudanum for comfort. It's enough to drive someone insane. I can't imagine it. The wealth or the boredom. I thank God we never have to. Leon! Ah, Leon, good of you to join us. Aye, well, Mr. T kept trying to deal me in a game of ombre, but I told him that unless he was ready to lose his money and his dignity, then I'd best refrain. Your noble restraint is appreciated. Teague's an awful hand at cards. <laughs> As if you're any better, Maddox. All summer in Boston, I think you won less than ten hands. I believe it's the rather unfortunate combination of Leon's rare skill and your rare foolishness, sir. Foolishness, indeed. I once heard the greatest racket while working one night and came to Maddox's cabin to find all the cards on the floor and Teague and him in a great fisticuffs over who cheated first. <laughs> I'll bet you the world neither cheated. Come now, I never claimed to be the sharpest man, to be sure. <laughs> I'll forgive all of your foolishness from so fair a face. Would you like me to join Teague's musical efforts and leave you to it then? <laughs> no, that won't be necessary, friend. Thank the Lord. Singing is the one talent Teague has over me, and I'm loath to give him reason to gloat. Is that any way to speak about your superior officer? I thought we'd forsworn notions of superiority, along with safety, good morals, and the condescension of old Mr. Montague. <laughs> and besides, oh, he's superior in technicality only. To be sure, I wonder. Though I am not so deep in your notions of rank and command, there has been no talk as to how all of that will work aboard the August now. Mm. You may be captain, Maddox. A ship arguably requires one. And he might as well be the closest thing we have to a decent man. But what of the other ranks? What of the men? The, the, the foremost jacks. They won't be drawing pay on the regular any longer. Promises of freedom and liberty are all well and good, but pale in comparison to empty stomachs. We have the money Montague gave Blackwall, and a hold full of cargo. That's enough to give each man what's owed for this voyage, and fit the August for more dangerous purposes. That's all well. But the matter I had more on mind was one of life. Are we to go forward as we have been, with the only change being our course and your place on the ship? What does it mean for Cecil to be the second officer or Douglas to be a midshipman? If such a thing exists on board a pirate ship, Sophia being a midshipman, at very least, already changes something of our life before. 
But what of us? You, you and me? Aye, aye. We have claimed this life, but now we must decide what it means. It's been on my mind as well. It will be on everyone's on the morrow, once this holiday mood is passed. I can't claim to have an answer for you, Leon, for either of you. I can only, I can only share a story, and the promise I will listen to whatever you advise me, and ask for your trust. <laughs> you needn't ask for something you know you have. A story from Maddox. Dig will be sad to miss it. It's not so good, nor will it be as well told as any of his. Not an auspicious beginning. Years ago, when I was but a boy, I found myself with nothing in the world save the strength of my body and a notion to go to sea. I joined the crew of a merchant ship sailing from Fair Ireland. It, it with a young, rotten captain, willful and stupid, a crew of seasoned sailors, and me, not yet ten years of age. It was a miserable cruise, and not just because it was my first. The stars were rotten, the water worse, and the captain steered the ship into a squall the first night out and wouldn't listen to the advice of a man a barter. After a week or two out of sight of those green shores, the men decided their captain was more likely to steer them to damnation than to America, so they took matters into their own hands. I remember that night in the mess, all the men clustered together, water leaking through the boards above our heads and the sound of the storm outside. I was so miserable, cold those days. It felt like I would never be warm again. But they clapped me on the shoulder, drew me into their circle, and let me cast a lot with the others, whether we would mute me. Their, our mutiny went off well, and the captain met his end in the waters off Rathlin Island. We declared ourselves pirates, sailed to America, and for a month, how would Teague say it, for 30 days and 30 nights, we prowled the coast of the seas beyond, preying on merchant vessels and reaping the rewards. But it all ended with a Navy frigate and 20 pounders and those crew who didn't die in the fight hanging for piracy on the docks of Boston all apart from their cabin boy, one Robert Maddox, who someone merciful deemed too young and stupid at 10 years old to die for the crimes of his elders. And that same Maddox survived with an understanding of a life of piracy, and the end such a life will usually meet. I, I suppose so. The rumors followed me for some time in Boston. If you wanted to take on a boy nearly hung as a pirate already, there were officers who were sure to give me a taste of the lash for fear of the mutiny in me, but. By the time I'd gone on another cruise or two, the matter was more or less forgotten, rightly or wrongly. I couldn't say now. <laughs> Listen to me, lads. Drunk and morose again. Sophia would be terribly disappointed. I could drag Teague back here. He can rest a good humor out of anyone. <laughs> no, I think it's best I leave you all to your revelry. I have a devil of a headache anyway. It feels as I pulled the August from America itself. Sleep, then. We can make decisions on the morrow. Wise, as always. I'll bid the both of you good night then. Aye, good night, Maddox. I'll join you shortly. Maddox steps away from the fire to the small tent nearby. As he steps inside and begins to undress and lie down on the pallet and blankets laid out, the low murmur of voices can be heard from the campfire. Has he told you that story before, Leon? Mm, only pieces here and there. Armatix is a reserved sort of man, to be sure, until he isn't. To be fair, my friend, so are you. You really never came to know all of this in Boston, when you were sharing a house. No. The more I learn of Maddox's life before me, the more I become convinced that I was the turning point for him. 
He wanted to be better when I came to know him, I think. He did not want to dwell upon the sins of his past so much. I'd like to hear more of what you said before about there not being a heaven nor hell. Whatever for? I find often the way most men think about their actions to be limiting. It is always this or that, good or bad. We are all either condemned to eternal damnation or we are saved and may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It becomes merely a question of, of math. I was never very good at math. Do you believe such a system to be unfair? Not just unfair. Untrue. I'm surprised to hear such frank words from a sailor. <laughs> We're not all tacked together with superstition and nonsense, Doctor. I've only ever believed in the things I could see. The ocean, the stars, my own ability, whether poor or apt. Sometimes it feels like the sea is all there is to believe in, in a storm. An uncaring element. An uncaring world. You and I have similar frames of mind. Doctor, what do you think of the future? What do I think of it? What do you hope for it? Do you believe in it? I... I believe that we cannot expect anything from the world. I believe that men are cruel and prideful, and we are not exempt from that. But I believe in them, all the same. Those like Maddox and Sophia and Teague. Now and then, I think I'm near enough to feeling the same. It was not the case, but I met a man in whom I could believe as much as I can believe in anything made of flesh and, and fallacy. I believe I will go find Teague. I think I'm drunk enough to sing. <laughs> Take care of yourself, my friend. Not a worry, doctor. It's one of my talents. Cecil. Yes. You're among them. Those in whom I can believe. <laughs> We'd best look after each other then. Good night, Leon. Cecil's footsteps fade into the trees, and the clearing is silent for a moment, with only the crackle of the fire and the distant sound of revelry interrupting the silence. Still awake? Mm. Eavesdropping? Perhaps. Devious. Just what would you expect from a decent man? Exactly. There is much to figure out on the morrow. Mm. But for now, we are here and safe, surrounded by friends. I did not realize that Cecil thought of me in such a way. What do you mean? The man Cecil spoke of, that he believed in. It's unkind to speak of another man's secrets, Maddox. Fair enough. Should I tell you one of mine, or ask you yours? Tell me one of yours. I've never felt half so still as this. It's like perhaps this is what they speak of when they speak of peace. It won't be peaceful forever. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. But tonight... Tonight? What secret were you going to ask of me? When you met me, was this what you thought of? Following you halfway around the world? No. You know what I mean. <laughs> At first, no. Well, maybe. You were 
I cannot say I did not notice you then. But by the time we were introduced, well, you were just another patient. I came to, well, I came to love you later, <laughs> somewhere between there and here. Maddox and Leon lapse into a silence. The fire crackles away to embers. morning in the gray of the dawn. Ship on the horizon! She's a fine old ship. A fine old ship and we'll get underway. August, she's a fine old ship. She's as fine and sweet as the end of day. Oh, the August from Boston did sail. A fine old ship and we'll get underway. Oh, August, for England she did make. She's as fine and sweet as the end of day. Oh, August, she'll carry us home. Oh, August, she'll sing and she'll roam. August, she'll carry us home, home till we rest our weary old bones. On the August, maiden captain did fight, on a fine old ship and we'll get underway. Oh, August, her bonny captain did die, she's as fine and sweet as the end of day. Oh, the August, first mate did cry, a fine old ship and we'll get underway. August, we pirates never die! as fine and sweet as the end of day. Oh, August, she'll carry us home. Oh, August, she'll sing and she'll roam. August, she'll carry us home. Home till we rest our weary old bones. Oh, the August, our lady made our cries. On a fine old ship and we'll get underway. Oh, August, she'll sail with us, boys. She's as fine and sweet as the end of day. Oh, the August, two islands was blown. On a fine old ship and we'll get underway. Oh, August, pirate colors she did show. She's as fine and sweet as the end of day. Oh, August, she'll carry us home. Oh, August, she'll sing and she'll roam. August, she'll carry us home, home till we rest our weary old bones. Thank you for joining us on the Voyage of the August, presented by Electric Light Collective. Written and edited by Wynne McKenzie and Sean French Byrne. Hi, I'm Sean French Byrne, 
And I'm Wynne McKenzie. Thank you for listening to The Voyage of the August. Here's our cast, in order of appearance. Seabess Ward as Robert Maddox. Tiz Rome as Leon Francisco de Isla and Harold Blackwall. Daniel Haas as Richard Montague. C.J. Humphreys as Ambrose Teague. Minna Gory Hines as Cecil Lawrence. Ernie Alagas as James Douglas. Memphis Washington as Sophia Montague. Katie Foss Little as Sylvia Montague. And special thanks to Jim Wald, Will Ryan, and Hannah Friedrichs. And extra special thanks to the pork noodle soup at our local Chinese restaurant, all the sea stories that we were raised on, and Ezekiel Baskin. If you've enjoyed The Voyage of the August, tell a friend, leave us an iTunes review, or let us know. We can be contacted at electriclightrailway at gmail.com. That's electriclight-l-i-t-e, railway, at gmail.com. Electric Light Collective is a Massachusetts-based group of theater makers telling stories of the deep blue sea, the end of the world, and everything in between. We're interested in exploring queer and trans lives and experiences throughout the realms of history and imagination. To see more of our work, find us on Facebook under Electric Light Collective, L-I-T-E, or on Tumblr at, at Electric Light Collective. To see more of my work, find me at winmckenzie.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And if ever I should need you by land or by sea, I will always remember your kindness to me. Here's a health to the company and one to my lass. Let's drink and be merry all out of one glass. Let's drink and be merry all grief to refrain. For we may or might never all meet here again. For we may or might never all meet here again.